KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, DIY creatives. Every weeknight at 6, I'm Aldine, KRCL's punk rock farmer. I'm here with Liz Schulte tonight. Thanks, Liz, for coming and driving the board for me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. So um, we have a great show tonight. Uh, uh, Brandy Flowers is with us, and she's from Sacco's farmhouse at Sacco's up in uh, Roy, Utah, um, legendary farm stand, and um, we'll, we're going to talk to her in a bit. We always have homegrown music. We have Cactus Tree with us, and um, Joseph Lofthouse will be here later on in the show, and we'll do an urban farm report with him. We'll talk seeds and seed saving, landrus gardening, all kinds of great stuff. Um, also a clip from Peter Donegan, our buddy from across the ocean in Ireland. He's got a new gig in Australia, and Laura actually Zoomed with him uh, oh, just a few days back, and he gave us the rundown on that, and we're going to play that too. Thanks again, Liz, for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Seriously, <laughs> it's really, really cool to be here on the weekend. You go to these guys over here. Can you hear me, you guys? We can hear you. Awesome. Very good. So, Cactus Tree, uh, tell me a little bit about the band. How long have you guys been together? Yeah, the Cactus Tree is a project that I started with a full band about nine months ago, so we're pretty new, but I've been playing and writing these songs since I was about 12 years old, so it's been about a decade. Very cool, very cool. And you brought your guitar player with you? Yeah, we Abby. Abby Lee. How's it going? Very good. The first song is called Not Sure Why. What's it about, dear? Uh, Not Sure Why is about spending most of your life just really wanting to fit in, and then one day, I think it's growing up does it is you just don't care anymore <laughs> <laughs> very good this is cactus tree and this fresh and homegrown right here krcl 90.9 fm It's getting colder, so you roll your windows down. Listening to Joni, you cry tears of doubt. Really not sure why, couldn't tell ya. The winter grass is growing, you can see it if you stop. But you keep sacrificing to the screen and the clock. Really not sure why, couldn't tell ya. It feel like home 
Very good. That was lovely, you guys. Wow, I'll look forward to having you do another one here in a little bit. Thanks Thank you so, so much. much. So that was Cactus Tree, right? Yes. Cactus Tree. Yes. So we're moving on to the rallies and resources part of our show, and uh, I want folks to know about what's going on up here in Roy. Brandy Fowers is with us. Brandy, thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. I know you have a long drive home and all that it's stuff, okay. but I'm so glad you came. Thank you. Um, you know, let's let's kind of do this. We we talked a little bit the other day, and tell me a little bit about your history because you have farm history i do ranching and stuff yes. tell us tell us so um my parents owned the cattle auction up in willard utah so i was raised around cattle my whole life uh 26 years ago i married a farmer and we've been farming ever since we used to farm in hooper utah and we sold that um right before the crash of 2008 and we've been farming up in Box Elder County. We have close to 300 acres right now. The crash of through 2008. <laughs> what is that? The real estate crash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so um, tell me a little bit about the farm. Where's the farm? And it's a 356-acre farm? 300-ish acres. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, our main cash crop is onions. So we, are, we farm onions. We do a lot of crop rotation. So we do corn and wheat as well. Um, and this past couple years, we started taking on pumpkins 
And so that's just kind of been a hobby thing for us. But then as we undertook um, purchasing Sockos, um, we'll probably start to incorporate a lot more of our local produce for us to sell down there. Very cool. And so um, you're... You just tell me a little bit about your business and how you're still connected with farmers with your business. Yeah. And it sort of led you to find this place. Yeah. So um, I own my own real estate brokerage, which is Farmhouse. Um, And so I really help a lot of farms and ranches get their land sold. And I was kind of just browsing one night, couldn't sleep. I don't sleep. Anybody that knows me, that's when I market. I do my best work from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. Um, and I just was browsing and I had seen this for sale and it just kind of lit something in me. It was like a passion, like I could truly make a difference and educate people in farm to table, right? Because it's full circle for me. Like I've lived it my entire life. I farm it, my kids farm. Um, my daughter quit her job to run farmhouse at Sacco's. So this is really a family thing. You kind of kept it a secret. You didn't tell your mom. You didn't tell (laughs) anybody. I didn't tell anybody. I had to wait a hot minute to decide if this was going to be it. I took it to the bank. And the bank (laughs) gave you the, hey, come on, let's do this. The bank said this is an incredible idea. And I was like, are you sure? (laughs) Well, that is so great. I think that's such a great story. And I think the way you're connected is so amazing that it's just you're you're carrying on you're carrying on and let's talk a little bit about the history of Sacco's yeah. because this place went dormant for a little bo- a while five five years or so um it's no it, it's been it's been going since 1969 but so but in the last five years it, it was yeah I think you uh, know they, they they've had it for sale for a little while uh-huh so uh-huh. I think they were just ready to retire like a lot of us are at a certain stage and so what I did is I tried to keep it true to who the family was because the nostalgic part of it. And also, I think you're more successful if you take a part of the history and then I always say make it the brandy flair, right? Like it has to be them, but it also has to be true to me because it's my future as well. What a rich history this is. Yes. It's an Italian family. The yeah. dad started it. Yep. The brothers ran it. One split and had his own thing going in on in Ogden. Uh-huh. Um, th- and and this is a sign you see. Everybody's seen a million right. times. When you go to Ogden, you see that sign, yep. Sackles lit up. It and is. it's a banana. <laughs> I used to think it was corn, an ear of corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. uh, but on one side, it's funny because people are like, is it the apple or tomato? On one right. side, it's an apple. On one side, it's a tomato. tomato. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. Very cool. And and so, I mean, local food is is what you're focusing right. on. You have that same passion. We know that in the last few years, it's been even more so. We've we've learned Very that our so. food here is important. I think that's one of the biggest things we learned in 2020, and I think that's why my drive is right because I want to educate people that we have some pretty amazing product made here in Utah. Like we could be self-sustaining if we needed to be. So I really like the idea of 99% of my shop is Utah made. It's not, you know, it's, there's a few exceptions, obviously, obviously, Uh but um, every product that I can get, and especially during um, harvest season for sure, but um, even our non-harvest, our non-produce items, like today we had Z's hot sauce, um, they came and they educated people about what they do and wh- how they how they make their hot sauce and their Bloody Mary mix and things like that. So, so this is an education thing. Learn, the, learn, learn, know who the producer yes. is. Know your farmer. Know right. where it's know coming from. Know that it's your neighbor. Know that it's the person down the street that you're supporting. You're supporting your local kids. You know, this is really, truly who we are. So I've taken all these people that have these amazing products that are right next to you and provided them on, under one roof and all year. So. And, and this is a this is a farm stand that was all open, and mm-hmm. you've enclosed it. And no, now they enclosed it in like the Did they enclose 80s. it? Okay. Yeah. But it didn't really have a very uh, heat or, or air conditioning. Air conditioning. <laughs> it was kind of a farm stand, yeah. right? And you've made a store out of it, and your idea is a local grocery store. And this I've, it's really exciting because I haven't been into any other place that I've seen so many different products that are all local yep. and produce also, yep. and your onions and things like that. But you have—I'm going to name a few things, okay. and you tell me where it came from. Okay. The honey. 
Um, we have three honeys. Um, we have one in Layton, one in Uinta, and one in South Weber. You have squeaky cheese. We have squeaky cheese. We have three of the main best squeaky cheeses. We have one in Gosner's, which is Cache Valley. We have Beehive Cheese, which is in Uinta, I think. Yes, Uinta. And then we also have a new one, which is Raw Milk Squeaky Cheese. And they'll be at the shop next Wednesday educating you um, on raw milk squeaky cheese. Very good. Cider. Just got uh, it. I did. I just got it. And that's out of Cache Valley as well. Zollinger Farms. There's so many things we could I go know. on. There's tortilla <laughs> chips. There's salsa. There's black currant juice. Where does that come from? Black currant juice. Weeks out of Bear Lake raspberries. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. that stuff is amazing. We're very good for your health because <laughs> there's no additives or anything. Right? It's yeah. it's so good. And you know, I walk in the store and I see, and the thing is, you're trying to you you really are going to do this all year round. So yep. it's it's six like six days a week. We're opening on Monday to six days a week. And so there's one there's one farmers market. That goes all winter long, but this there's no outlet like this for local produce, groceries. Yeah. You're talking about putting meats on the yes. on. Yes, we're you want to do that. Yep, we're teaming up with a local meat shop, to, um, so it'll be. I actually know the cattle ranchers because that's my gig, right? So I know the farmers that grow the cattle, so they'll be grass-fed beef right to your table. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really important, and I know we share this, that these places don't go away. Yes. That um, uh, this, this, I was talking to John Borsky, who has his stand up there, and he's mm-hmm. a stalwart farmer. He's been, for 30 years, he's been at right. the farmer's market he he knew dominic sacco yeah Yeah. and he said when that store closed a little piece of him yeah died inside for sure it did for a lot of people and and um another person told me i used to get squeaky cheese there right and you have it still i do i have three different kinds and that's (laughs) that's really cool but these places and he said i'm so glad to hear that she's doing what she's doing there So this is really cool stuff. I'm so glad you're doing it, dear. You're great. Thank you. It's a big risk. For sure. (laughs) So you have future plans. You have plans. You have a lot of plans. I know. Well, (laughs) yeah, anybody that knows me knows that the brain doesn't stop and that there's always something in the mix, right? Everybody says, well, what's next, right? So we're really hoping that we can expand on the property at some point and really either put a commercial kitchen or something of that sort in to be able to teach people how to use the product. Like... I can talk till I'm blue in the face, but sometimes that's just not most effective. But if I can really show somebody, like, for example, teaching people today that the Bloody Mary mix can actually be a chicken marinade, they were like, oh, okay, uh-huh. like a grilled chicken marinade. Uh-huh, because so, most people don't drink. Yeah. So a lot of people <laughs> don't lot. happen yeah. to drink much Bloody Mary. Right, <laughs> or just teaching you the multi-use of one product right. and having that one right. product be Utah-made. So farmhouse at Sackles, this is a play on words, yes, kind of. You have is. two things going on. There. I have like three things going on <laughs> with that, probably three or four or five. So farms, obviously, um, real estate. I know that makes no sense to a lot of people. How does she be a realtor and um, have farms, right? Because it's kind of like. But what they don't understand is most of our farmers rely on selling their farm as their retirement, right? Mm -hmm. So, and no one gets that better than me. I mean, that's my retirement, Uh right? uh So, like, I really can take care of your farm real estate needs as well. But, so, when I opened my brokerage and went out on my own from Better Homes and Gardens, I needed something that was true to who I am. So, true to who I am is farms and homes, right? So, staying true to who I am is farm house. So... And then I really wanted to keep um, the history of the Sacco family in play. They've worked a long time building what they have. So it's now Farmhouse at Sacco's. So. Great stuff, Brandy. Where can folks find you and come and see you? You're on. Yeah. You're in Roy. You're at yes. exit 650. Is it? Yep, yeah. going that way and uh, right by Hillfield. You can't miss this. Like I said, the signs from the road. Um, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. We're working on a website. Um, one of the things that we may get added is some stuff like DoorDash and shipping and all that good stuff. So we will grow. You will see us not go away. I have 30 years to figure this out. Very cool. You'll be <laughs> back. You'll come back when you have big things going on. Absolutely. Very I good. It. I'm. It was very nice to meet you, dear, and I'm so, so nice glad you came. Have a safe drive home. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you so much for your time. You're welcome. Awesome. I'm going to creep in with a couple clips, and then we're going to listen to some more music. Very good. The following is a rebroadcast of a Skywatcher Leo T from October of 2021.
It's many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here. As we climb into the sky with our own eyes, we can see the waning gibbous moon. That's between full and half, when Luna is in the phase where its visible surface is shrinking every night until it's a new moon and hiding. Then growing back to full. At any rate, the moon or Luna shines in the east after dark, and binoculars will help you look to its upper left and find the sublime Pleiades, or seven sisters, which right now looks like a twinkly kite flying with its tail trailing below. See the sky chart on the Skywatcher side for all of this program, as well as some great photographs. Also easy to spot is bright big orange Capella. It's a few clicks to the left of the moon. And then on Saturday, the moon shines magically near a big, beautiful reddish star in Tars the Bull, blinking at you, known as Aldebaran, the Eye of the Bull. And by midnight, Orion, the King of Kites, is clearing the eastern horizon far below them all. On Skywatcher Leo T, it's many cultures, one sky. As we talk about the moon, we delve into some of the interesting images people all over the world have of the mares or seas of the moon. In many cultures, including the Chinese zodiac, the rabbit is a lunar creature with feminine energies and whose outline can be seen in the face of the full moon. Many Native American cultures, the rabbit myths tell of the hare returning the sun to the sky and restoring warmth, which I think we can all use a little bit of warmth along with the nice moisture we've been getting. On the Skywatcher site, the rabbit in a painting by Susan Sadin Boulay and published by Pomegranate Communication shows a moon goddess venerated by the Ergic peoples of Western Siberia. Although this goddess can assume many forms, the rabbit's her favorite. And let's take the little Skywatcher spaceship out a little further to visit the JPL NASA Mars rover called Perseverance. It is getting ready for a little trip, a little fresh round of exploration on the Jezero Crater region after helping confirm the ancient giant lake and riverbed in the Isidius Plantia just north of the equator in the eastern hemisphere of Mars. Check out the Skywatcher site for a cool map. As promised, we continue with our 3 billion mile voyage to Pluto on New Horizons. The first Earth probe that we know of anyway, except that maybe by the Aztecs or, or somebody, to explore Pluto. New Horizons not only checked out Pluto, but its moons. That's right, five moons. The biggest, Chiron, is in a tight dance orbiting with Pluto and has a few surprises of its own. Spanning half the moon is an enormous canyon, Argo Chasma, that is almost twice as long as the Grand Canyon and has possibly the highest cliffs in the solar system. Pluto. Well, we'll check the young, surprising geology next time and at some point uh, get New Horizons out another billion miles or so to a weird, knocked-out space rock. We've been heading there for a couple of weeks, but we will get there. It's many cultures, one sky, as we look up, look around, and get lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Love Promise, a partnership with local nonprofit organizations to support and strengthen our community. Now accepting applications for 2023 nonprofit partnerships. More information on Mark Miller Subaru's Love Promise and application process at markmillersubaru.com. KRCL has been a community megaphone and rallying local support for 40 years by reaching thousands of listeners every single day. If you own your own business, we are encouraging you to issue an on-air challenge grant during our Radiothon. Using KRCL's megaphone to issue an on-air challenge grant will not only connect you to the community, but it will also encourage others to show their support as well. Together, local businesses and KRCL can support each other, stay connected, and thrive. For more information, email trinab at krcl.org. Checking in with Peter Donegan, our Irish landscape designer, and he is the first Irish garden designer accepted to create a show garden at the Southern Hemisphere's largest flower show. I had to know more. So, Peter, what is all this? Um, it, it's, it's another day. <laughs> I'm giggling here, but I shouldn't. I'm giggling because I'm Irish, and I'm one of eight, and as you well know, it's pretty... Um, you're not really allowed to take compliments as as an Irishman. Oh yeah, you've said that your person. dad, he makes sure that you know you gotta go cut the hedge down. <laughs> yeah, you're great, you kept grounded so, but but ultimately we, we had uh, plans in the pipeline to, to go and do a, another show garden abroad. Uh, obviously we had two years of BC as we call it, or 
pre-C, whichever it may be. And um, lo and behold, we end up in a conversation with IMG, who run the Southern Hemisphere, uh, the largest show there, as you just mentioned. It uh, takes place in the heritage site of the Carlton Buildings and the Royal Exhibition in Melbourne. And yours truly becomes the, the first Irishman to be invited and accepted design there, which is quite the honour and the privilege. So tell me what this is going to entail. Is it a temporary garden installation? And have you got just tons of flowers running through your head? Yeah, it's a bit It's a bit like, I guess, what we did in the, the castle in France, for those of your listeners who tune into you every Friday, which I'm sure they do. I of know course. they do. Hello, it's great. I, I know you love hearing my voice again. But at the same token, all jokes aside, that was a, a permanent garden, but it doesn't come with a a medal, if you will. And in this case, a show garden, it goes from the 29th of uh, March until the 2nd of uh, April. And you, you spend 10, 15 days building it. And we've got an excellent contractor by our side, Martin Semkin and his team. They've, they're the most medaled contractor in the, the history of this show, uh, Melbourne International Flower Show. And um, it, after that, it just gets whipped out. And, and I'll give you a funny one for your listeners. It's a pure heartache for me in all the show gardens we've ever made in my 21 years in business. I've never been present when it's been taken down. You may as well tell me me and you are breaking up and you don't like watering heights by Kate Bush. It's just, it's heartache. Solomon Burke just died overnight <laughs> and and that's it. There's no cry to me ever being played again. It's It's terrible seeing it happen. Well, so what are you going to put into this and will you send us pictures? I I will send you pictures. I will. We aren't allowed and haven't been allowed to announce the uh, actual design yet, but I'll, I'll tell you what it's about, Lucy. And it's in my head and you know me well enough at this stage to game. There's, there's equal measures of poetry and then equations that make that poem in my original head look like that to those who come and see it. And so... There's a beautiful island that I've referenced before off the coast of Galway. And uh, when you stand on the island at nighttime at about 12 o'clock and the moon is beating through the clouds and the clouds sort of dapple across the moon and they hide it, you know the sort of vision I'm talking about. You can change it to an early morning sunrise. It's pretty much the same thing on a good day when you've got the bow of your dreams by your side. And I had this picture in my head that, can you imagine if the love of your life was on the mainland? And you're on the island and you can't uh, get to her, in, in my case, then what do you do? And illogic or emotion tells you, get in the speedboat or get in the fisherman's boat. It's got a half tank of juice. You'll never make it there. There's force 10 gales, but, but it's worth it. You, you'll probably, you'll possibly, you won't. But logic tells you, wait till tomorrow. And this was the thing that was in her head. And when you're sort of 14, again, I'm a tall man masquerading as just a, a Jim Carrey or a, you, you know, all of the things in yes. my head at this stage of the game. Yeah, a drop dead Fred, a Rick Mail, if you will, um, and all the imaginary friends. And when you're at that age and you're going out with a girl for two weeks and she goes back to Spain or she goes back to America, it's heartache like you've never seen before. And you don't know that there's a boat and you can't do all of those things. So we made it so that you could almost walk on water. And we've replicated the tree, uh, sorry, a, a giant sized um, tree. And we're hoping it's a, a tree called a, a get ready for this, a Glidizia, a Triacanthus sunburst. But the sunburst bit is the bit that you need to remember. And if that's the case, then we'll have this reflection of this beautiful giant sized 11 meter tall tree bouncing off what is black water. The whole garden is built in limestone. And it, it's, but then at the same token, we have to take a contemporary version of what is an, an Irish design because we don't all walk around with shillelaghs, uh, you know, chewing potatoes uh, with a rainbow in our pocket, dancing every morning. It doesn't happen that way. You can buy coffee in this country now. It's really good. And so there's an element of that about it, which I'm jovial about. But it comes across as that. But I think the hope is when you sit on the garden and you close your eyes and you're told this story or your your listeners see these photographs, that they'll turn around and go, 
I get it. I, I, I get it. There's a sort of a, a an isolation, but you, there's a want to get to the to the end once you get to where you want to go. Does that make? Yeah, it makes totally sense. I can I can hear what your inspiration is, and so we're gonna have to try and zoom while you're in Melbourne, so you can uh, share what's going on and uh, update us. And that's March 29th that you'll start this uh, this Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show project. Can't wait to see it, Peter. Yeah, we, we, well, I think I moved there on the 10th of, of March. I'm unsure how the, the hour changes go. I know there are nine hours ahead there. I think you're seven hours behind. So I've been flicking between French time, Australian, uh, US and and Dublin time uh, for the last two weeks. I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place. Apologies. Uh, but that's it, March 10th. I think the show ends April 3rd. And then I'm on a plane back home on April the 4th because I can't be around for the marriage breakup to see who gets the kids and all of those things to go with it. You <laughs> it know? is so sad so, that they're just going to rip it right out. But what a fantastic yeah. uh, honor and privilege to participate as the first Irish garden designer there. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, it's, it's a bit funny, Laura, because we like we, we did that. And then in the meantime, I think I've been doing a couple of garden talks, which is probably more of Al Street, who I'm, I'm missing this evening, to be honest with you, this morning, this evening. Um, and, and I think we've been doing uh, I did this conference on, on biodiversity and climate change. And it was really funny when we got into this sort of conference of how I spoke about it. And I threw 10 very different gardens up on the screen behind me. And the point we sort of made in, in that one was that if the garden is designed properly, from the start, which has to be of recent in the last couple of years, because we're a little bit more educated, if I may use that word, it's very strong, uh, in, in how we want the world to go for the future. And in that context, I think we ended up designing a school in, in it's our first ever school's garden, but we did a, a, a combination. It's a little bit mad when I describe it, but when you see it all together, it makes sense. It's up on YouTube if you want to take a look for it. Just search Peter Donegan or something, you'll find it. And uh, um, we we joined, decided that we should have that all of the paving was known. It's known as suds drainage, which it drains on its own soil. Uh, the trees are that they would attract birds in, but only the smaller type because the closer the trees are knit, smaller the birds become the larger the branches are apart as you would well know and so you sort of make this sort of artist's impression but there's no need now therefore for bird boxes or the bat boxes and then obviously the planting is all very low and smaller growing which allows inverted commas the birds and the bees to therefore come in and so we have this garden which is almost self-maintaining if i may call it that and in the middle of it all to make it a little bit um uh, peter if i may we took this, do you know what a juicy salif is? No, what's this? So juicy salif is like a, it's like a giant squid, if I may call it that. And so we made this four-legged uh, juicy salif giant squid. It's about three and a half meters tall. But I didn't think, and I said it in my presentation to the um, parents association and the, the teachers at the school, I didn't think he'd let the garden, this part of the garden across the line. So we gave it a, a, a lobotomy and we, pushed ahead of it forward just the tip of it and inside of it we put an anemometer which measures wind and so now it's connected into the science room and it measures rain water as well so now it's its own weather station and they went oh my god like so we've got that the outdoor school is loosely based on uh, the joint's causeway so it's got all of the things that you need for uh, uh how to say wheelchair accessibility which is normally 900 but because it's based on uh, again a place you've been to Giants Causeway, once you take out one or two of the rocks, then it doesn't look like you made a wheelchair accessible entrance, if I might call it that. So it's all a bit, um, it's another daydream, albeit it's got all of the sensible things that keep the grown-ups happy in it. But yeah. Well, thanks for the update on that project that we've talked to you about before. Where can people follow you online and see your exploits as you go around the world and Ireland building such great landscapes? Uh, I'd say probably Instagram, just Peter Donegan is the, I get confused with Lonnie Donegan's uh, brother, I think is Peter <laughs> Donegan. I, I, I regularly get people me messaging me saying great gig and I'm going rock and roll. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we'll make sure to connect to the right Peter Donegan in tonight's show notes. Thanks for Zooming with us. I appreciate it. Safe travels to Melbourne. It's always a pleasure, Laura. Thank you so much. Great to hear Peter Donegan, our buddy from across the water again. Uh, always great to check in with him. Let's get back to Cactus Tree. Thanks so much for coming down, you guys. This, the next song is called Sunstone. Tell me, give me a little background on it. Yeah, I wrote this song about the time that I left home, so a few years ago now, and it's kind of a letter to myself of just when I was figuring out and questioning different things that I think and believe about the world and myself, and it's just kind of a, a reflective song, and it's called Sunstone. Very good. This is Cactus Tree, fresh and homegrown with Sunstone, right here on KRCL 90.9 FM. Join KRCL for Music Meets Movies this Thursday, October 13th at Broovies in Salt Lake for the Horror Comedy Gore Fest Studio 666. 
From a story written by Foo Fighter Dave Grohl, the film follows the Foo Fighters' attempt to record their 10th studio album in a mansion. A haunted mansion. Do you guys get this overwhelming sense of death? Whoa. Guest cameos include John Carpenter of Halloween fame, comedians Whitney Cummings and Will Forte, and THE Lionel Richie. That's Studio 666 for KRCL's Music Meets Movies, this Thursday, October 13th at Broovies in Salt Lake. Tickets at the door at 6.30, movie at 7.30. Details at krcl.org. Is the album almost done? Yeah, it's killer. There it is, folks. Very We're back. Very good. Thanks, Liz. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for being here. Um, Joseph Lofthouse is with us, my good buddy. And, you know, it's always good to see you come up to your place and see your plots and and talk to you a little bit about, you know, what you got going on. And um, I know while most people are putting things to bed right now and putting the gardens to rest, there's quite – there's something that we – partake in saving seed and this is um, a very integral part of <clears throat> your garden your work your the experiments that you do all that it's it's a big time of year isn't it oh yes um, when I harvest tomatoes I take the seeds out of the tomatoes I dry them to get ready to send to a seed company to for my own personal use next year to share with friends and then I make salsa out of the pulp from the tomatoes and so so it's a really busy time the same thing with the peppers take the seeds out of the peppers before I make the salsa so that I can have pepper seeds for next year right and so you know it's more important now than ever to save some seed and create a regional seed bank. What are your thoughts on stuff like that, Joseph? Well, we're getting to a time where uh, the supply chains are kind of unreliable. And if we're saving our own seeds that are local seed, and we can plant, or we can grow, like in my garden, I can grow enough seed to plant, you know, 100 acres easy. Right. right. And, and that's local seed that knows how to deal with our bugs, it knows how to deal with our soil and our climate and our right. habits as a farmer. And, and so the seeds that we can maintain locally just give us a super advantage for reliability of our food supply and, and to not be so dependent on faraway systems to take care of ourselves right and so i was going to ask you what you look for in a seed because most people look for an heirloom seed that has to be a certain tomato or a certain this or that but you just told us what you look for in a seed well, what i love if a seed is cross-pollinating because then the genetics are getting rearranged so that they can the ecosystem can then decide which plants really thrive here and that, that just gives us a lot of stability if the best plants are crossing with each other. Some of the heirlooms have been um, 50 generations of inbreeding, uh -huh. and, that, and they just struggle because they They're for weak. they've forgotten how to deal with all these problems that we have currently. So the, the ecosystem can't be changed, but the seed can be changed to adapt to it right i can't change my soil it's 300 feet deep but i can change the genetics of the plants that are growing in that soil and and you this, oh, this is it i get nerdy on this <laughs> stuff we get nerdy and we i support you getting nerdy on this <laughs> because this is a nerdy topic that i am super into and i think many people agree i think many people have looked at the seeds that they've been planting year and year out and like oh this what it was great when i was a kid and now i'm seeing some issues or i'm getting some sort of pest that i didn't get before and it's that inbreeding that's interesting it mm -hmm. is it's very interesting that we can nail it down like that what seeds have you been saving joseph what was good this year what so the tomato seeds is the project that makes my heart sing and so i saved tons of tomato seeds but the peppers did really good this year. Um, the grains did really good. Um, my squash really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, that's gardening. Some years, yes. that's why you plant a whole bunch of different species because some species are going to thrive no matter what the weather's doing. 
and this year it just wasn't a good squash year but it was a great pepper year a good tomato year all that extra heat that we got probably contributed to that mm -hmm. right you're a landris gardener mm -hmm. um Explain just briefly that what that is to folks. So a land race is a genetically diverse crop that is cross-pollinating so that it can become locally adapted. And when it becomes locally adapted, it's more stable and reliable. And, and uh, like you said, like we said, you have a field where you stress the plants. You try to make them stronger, the, se the seeds. Your provoking them to do what you want also yes for example my beans i don't weed and the grass will be two feet tall the weedy onions will be three or four feet tall and the beans just grow there anyway hmm. and and i and that's only because i've been growing that way for like five years now because the first year you do that they say heck with this you know but gradually over a number of years they self-select for those that can really thrive under those growing conditions. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I, I haven't fertilized my fields in like 12 years awesome. just because I, I want the plants to be able to grow in my conditions exactly are, as they are with my habits of watering inconsistently, weeding <laughs> almost none at all. <laughs> um, but the, pl the plants can adapt because they have enough genetic diversity to do that. Mm -hmm. And so last year you published a book. I did. And <laughs> this book sort of took its own life and it's gone places. And I want to I, I say this book was, maybe it was just for a period of time, but on a bestseller list. Ooh. Just last month. It was. Thank you. <laughs> it was a bestseller in the vegetable gardening category on Amazon, Canada, Australia, and United States. All in that same month. All in that same month. I saw a thing where it said it sold 3,800 3, copies in that short period. Well, since I published it. Since you published it. Yeah. So, so awesome. Our, our man from our area getting the word out there. <laughs> You know, you told me that you've, you have been doing this a long time, and you sort of taken on the name of Elder, and you're, you're, you're dealing with it very well. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm owning that because I'm like 59 years old, and the labor in the garden is really hard for me. Well, I mean, I'm strong and healthy still, but it's, it's harder than it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, but because I published my book and people want to know more about it, right. I'm having to step into the role of elder uh -huh. and and doing more of that and less of the gardening. Elder and Joseph, I like it. And <laughs> it, it it's working all right. <laughs> so uh, I saw a post on, uh, and here's, a, here's something that ties in. I saw a post <clears throat> on social media, and the woman said her husband loves melons, but she lives in the northeast oh. where it's foggy, and and hazy and it does sun doesn't shine melons don't like to grow there no but she grabbed a bunch of different varieties of melons 20 30 i don't know how many but mm -hmm. and she planted them all some of them didn't grow what you expect some of them didn't produce fruit what you expect mm -hmm. but some of them produce fruit and some of them even tasted good, she said. Right. And those are the ones she's selecting to grow again next year for her husband. And, and exactly. And she mentioned your name. Oh. She said you gave her the inspiration. <laughs> so, so that's <laughs> Julia Denkin. Uh-huh. And her and I have collaborated closely for since my book was published. Uh-huh. And, and it's just joyful to see her being able to grow in that coastal area. Um, where her her community is telling her she can't grow corn, she can't grow melons, she can't grow this and that and the other. And she's proving them wrong just by, by planting a lot of diversity and letting the crops choose for themselves how they're going to figure out how to survive there. And we, so we said this before. 
It's easier to change the genetics than it is to change the ecosystem. <laughs> exactly. That was a quote that just got me. We talked yesterday, and I was like, oh, that's a good one. Very good, Joseph. Very good. You, you, do, you work with Baker Creek Seeds. If anyone knows, Baker Creek Seeds is the coffee table book of seed producers. And it's each page is beautiful. They show the, the fruit and how all the colors. And it's, it's like you can sit there and just look at the pictures. Uh-huh. You do some experiments for them. Your one was the uh, Promiscuous Tomato Project. But you have a sunflower one that you've been doing too. Tell me a little bit about both of them, how they're going. So the Promiscuous Tomato Project is grow- going really well. And it's just something I plot along with. The Sunflower Project, um, they sent me a bunch of their seeds that are they're like precious seeds that are multicolored and they're just beautiful. They'll have stripes on the sunflower seeds like bulls or the flowers, mm-hmm. like bullseyes. That's amazing. And, and so... But th- those are generally a smaller flower, yes, they're correct? Little, they're little small mm-hmm, flowers. Mm-hmm. And I've been growing for a decade these huge sunflowers that are 12 feet tall. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to move some of those beautiful colors into those giant sunflowers. I'm excited for that. Isn't that that cool? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's nerd out. (laughs) I mean, come on. Yes. For sure. Um, And, you know, you, you have some other things going on. You have some irons in the fire, like... People are searching after you. There's a, a guy from, um, a, a fancy chef guy from New York City. Uh-huh. Blue, what is it, Blue? Uh, Dan Barber from Blue Hill at Stone Barns. Bull, Blue Hill at Stone Barns. Yeah, so. He's employed you to grow a certain tomato for him. Well, we, we collaborate together. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like. The restaurant there is constructed about like the Logan Temple. And it, it's a barn that has like eight feet wide stone building. Oh my. It's just magnificent. Hmm. And, and so we've been collaborating and I ta- he tasted one of those promiscuous tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it was just flavorful in a way that tomatoes aren't normally flavorful and he fell in love with it and has really been supporting my work ever since then you know uh, i we i asked you yesterday what uh, what else are you excited about what what are you excited about joseph and you told me that and you you told me about um a wild tomato with domestic traits explain yeah. what that is you get all happy do you, you see the smile I'm, I'm all about it yes. so so when tomatoes were originally domesticated they lost 95 percent of their genetic diversity yes because they went from the the andes to mexico and from mexico to europe and from europe to the rest of the world and every time they did that they lost genetic diversity and the f- they didn't take their pollinators with them, and so the flowers got self-pollinating. And so what that does is every generation, the tomatoes lose half of their existing diversity. And, and so we get these tomatoes today that are weak, and they don't know how to deal with the bugs and the climate and the nice. soil, and, and so they really struggle. But... About in 2016, we made some crosses with the wild tomatoes that have a, a mechanism in it that makes them so they have to cross-pollinate. And so the tomato I, I found the other day is a few genes from the domestic tomato are in that wild tomato. Awesome. Wow. And so it, it's kept all of those traits of resistance to, to bugs and diseases and but with larger fruits that are tastier. Uh-huh. Exciting stuff, really groundbreaking things, really cool. Um we were we were up at at the farm up at your house and normally you see a tomato flower and it's the size of a pea. <laughs> and you have tomato flowers that are beautiful nightshade flower with the little comb sticking out in the middle that are the size of a quarter almost. Yeah. Um <laughs> 
is that something you tried to do? So, so that's part of the promiscuous pollination trait. Okay. Because it says to the insects, "Hey, everybody, I'm here. I want to. I want some pollen. Bring exactly. it to me." Exactly. Exactly. Um, how about uh, I? We made it through all the stuff. I'm real. I have this huge <laughs> paper that I'm looking at, and I'm so glad we made it through all the stuff. Tell me, um, how about a little recap on the year? You've already had a frost on your one. You have a short season in Cache Valley. Yes, I and, do. And and so. But you have beats the size of my head. Yeah, my, my brother weighed, weighed one of those, and it was 5.5 pounds. Oh for God. one beat, a golden, <laughs> like, a uh, like a, a golden Detroit kind of one, one of those uh, yellow one. Uh-huh. Crazy. What's a little recap on your season? I, I've heard a lot of things. Maybe it's a, it's a do-over, or next so, year's better. So it was a good season for the grains, the tomatoes, the peppers, bad year for squash. Um, but that's all right. Joseph, I'm so happy you came. Thanks for coming down from Paradise. Yeah, it's th- always great to have you. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Liz, for running the My soundboard. My pleasure, yes. I think we're going to move on over to Cactus Tree for one final song. Before you play, though, could you tell us maybe a little bit about some shows coming up or ways that folks can engage with your music? Absolutely. Um very soon we have a show tomorrow up in logan utah which is where we're based at y sound we're going to be playing on a really fun lineup we're really excited probably the best way to engage with us would be to follow us on instagram um at cactus tree music um we're pretty active on there and then you can check out our music wherever you listen to music um we have one single out and we're working on more right now I really appreciate you guys for coming down. Oh my goodness, you're gonna come back for sure. Don't let me we would know. Love that. <clears throat> let me know when you have something new coming out or you have some new music you want to come and play. You're in. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're it's been welcome. so fun. This next song is called Aquarium. Give me a short rundown. Yeah, Aquarium is a song that I wrote after a breakup, a classic breakup song, but I was kind of comparing how I felt about the breakup to how I feel like a fish would feel in an aquarium. (laughs) Um, I was just happy to be free. So that's kind of the metaphor there. So this is Cactus Tree, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM with Aquarium. at the aquarium I've always had mixed emotions about if we could work and how we take fish from the ocean I'm needing open water 
KRCL, Salt Lake City.